Hey, Chuck. Yo. We're in the present time. Yes. Which means that we need to take this opportunity to do a little bit of an intro for the episode everybody's about to hear, because it's a lost episode. Yeah. This has uh, never happened to us before. Uh-uh. But you said, hey, I thought we already recorded one on Crystal Skulls. And I went, yeah, I think you're right. And Jerry went, oh, it's right here in my desk drawer. <laughs> we forgot to publish it. Yeah, so this is a long lost episode, and we decided to publish it anyway, and just with a little caveat because it might. I'm sure there's some stuff that sounds dated. Oh, right? it's dated right off the bat. We talk about uh, whether the world's going to end or not. Oh, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the dead giveaway. Cool. There's, there's some dating to it, but yeah. So it's a lost episode. And uh, thanks to whoever it was on Twitter that suggested a Crystal Skulls episode because that's what started this whole thing in the in the first place. Well, you certainly gave them their due by calling them whoever it was. Right. Thanks, whoever. <laughs> All right. So cool. So here we go with Crystal Skulls. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck. Oh, my God. Everything's coming to an end. <laughs> Brian. That makes this stuff you should know, right? Yeah. How you doing? Oh, I shouldn't even ask. My life is a little upside down right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be all right. It's not like it's... Uh, Mayan and it's 2012 or anything. Well, we've already done that one. Yeah. And uh, I guess we know that the um, the world isn't necessarily going to end in 2012, so that kind of presupposes how we feel about this podcast, I guess, right? Yeah, it does, actually. But let me, let me give some news first. And you know this because you found this, and it's literally today's <laughs> news. Yeah, that is, doesn't often happen. Yeah, um, but we're talking about Crystal Skulls, and there was a piece on Crystal Skull that was found recently in a um, home in a Bavarian village. Um, and this Crystal Skull, it weighs, I think, 9 pounds. Um, it's life-size. No, it weighs nearly 20 pounds. It's life-size, maybe a little bigger. Uh, it matches the death's head insignia worn by Nazi SS officers. Yeah. Um, which is appropriate because his crystal skull apparently belonged to Heinrich Himmler. That's right. Who is the chief of the SS. Yeah, and I wrote an article. We should podcast on this sometime about the, the Nazis' interest in archaeology. They were, like all the Indiana Jones stuff was right on the money. Yeah. They had all sorts of programs, uh, archaeology programs, basically to try and prove through historical research that the Aryan race was superior. Right. Yes. <laughs> that was behind it all. And supposedly the um, the Nazi party arose from some sort of kind of like um, good time sex cult that like all of the people who were eventually <laughs> like the head of the Nazi party were members of. Really? Hitler comes along and is like, you guys are freaks, but I'm going to use this to my advantage. Right. And bada boom, bada bing, under Fuhrer. Wow. And everything starts to go horribly, horribly awry. Yeah. But uh, back to um, today's news, a crystal skull was found, which is a very unusual thing. And it was found hidden uh, on a rafter in uh, the attic of this house in Bavaria um, that belonged to uh, a woman who had been married to a high-ranking SS officer. Yeah. And it's now in the possession of Swiss journalist Luke Bergen. Yeah, he makes quite a claim. He claims that, <laughs> quote, I am 99% sure that this is one of the skulls of the Mayans, but we need clarity and all available tests will be carried out to ascertain authenticity. So what, what Luke um, Bergen has just said is that he's about to be very, very disappointed. Yeah. It's spoken like a man who just got his first crystal skull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and has done zero research on it. Basically. Um, the, the, 
prevail in uh, Chuck, we should hold on. Let's bring let's bring sarcasm down a little. Okay, bit. yeah, sorry. Uh, the 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 legend behind the crystal skulls, and anybody who has not seen a crystal skull, just type that into your favorite search engine and um, find an image. Yeah, and you'll like be like, oh yeah, crystal skull, crystal skull. Um, the there's supposedly thirteen of them that were crafted by the Mayans. Yeah, um, and they were scattered throughout the uh, the globe, That's and. Right. Um, Nine of them were colored to represent the races of man. Yeah. And then four of them were clear to represent the animals that crawl, walk, slither, slide, slide, which is slither, I guess, and fly. Yeah. Um, and you, it basically, the world's supposed to end on December 21st, 2012 yeah. at 11, 11 a.m. And if, the these thirteen skulls aren't reunited, mm-hmm. discovered and reunited in a specific alignment. I would imagine probably at some sort of Mayan temple. Um, then the world will end if we can get them aligned right. in this proper alignment by this time. Uh-huh. We can prevent the world from ending. Yeah. Problem is though, Josh, there's a lot more than thirteen of these things floating around the world. Yes. And so there's some doubts as to their legitimacy. And if it, it, depending on what the skull looks like, I don't know if the 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 Daily Mirror was the news source that you got this from. And right. They're not exactly they're a tabloid. Yeah. They're a tabloid's tabloid, actually. Well, I believe that this skull was found. I'm sure, but the picture that they've used, I don't know if that's the skull that was supposedly found Probably or not. whatever. But um, there are some telltale signs that a skull might be a fake, that it could be real. Let's start digging in, Chuck. Okay. Let's dig into crystal skulls. Uh, well, they can vary in size and appearance. Uh, some of them are sort of crudely shaped. Some of them are really detailed. Some of them are beautiful and clear. Some of them are hazy and colored. Right. Some of them have detached jaws. Some of them do not. Some of them have eye sockets. Some of them don't. Right. That's just a brief overview. That's there's crystal skulls. Of the appearance. And some people believe that they are, you know, from the ancient Mayans, descendants of the, uh, uh, what's the, uh, underwater? Atlantis? Atlantis. Is that where the Mayans came from? Uh, some people say that. Huh. Some say they're direct descendants of, of Atlantis, but I don't know. So this, this whole idea that the, the, um, Mayans created crystal skulls or that these crystal skulls are of Mayan descent are based somewhat on fact. The Mayans did, um, they they do reference crystal skulls in their creation myth. Oh, they do. Yeah. So I mean, like it's not like somebody was like crystal skull and Mayans. Gotcha. So there's 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 definitely a, a legitimate connection between the two. Okay. But whether or not that. the crystal skulls that are in existence right now are Mayan in origin is right. what what's up for debate and not really up for debate. Sure. And um, whether or not they have uh, they're rumored to have uh, healing properties. Mm-hmm. Um, the visions, like a crystal ball, which, right. uh, you can see into the future, into yeah. the past. It's like a crystal uh, ball, but cooler. Yeah. What else is there? They say they can do. They make sounds. Uh, yes. Like singing choirs. I think it's mainly healing like. and visions. Okay. That's pretty good. Or one enlightenment much. of some sort. Yeah. Um, the but the world of crystal skulls. The, when you start to kind of dig into it, is what it doesn't really matter what you believe. It's a really interesting world. Filled by almost caricatures of people. Yeah. The adventurers and, oh, that and one fraudsters <laughs> yeah. and hucksters. Can't wait and, to talk about him. Yeah. So let's, let's start with, um, I guess the most famous crystal skull of all, the Mitchell Hedges skull. This one kind of set the tone for most other, basically the, the Mitchell Hedges 
said, this is what Crystal Skull study is going to be all about. We're right. going to provide all the character for it and everybody else follow in our footsteps, okay? That's right. And uh, supposedly it was discovered, and we're going to say allegedly and supposedly a lot because these stories are not uh, verified as fact. So, And out of reverence for a dead 100-year-old woman. Who, Anna? Uh-huh. She, she's dead now? April 2007. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, so it was discovered allegedly in the 1920s by who we just referenced, Anna Mitchell Hedges, who is the adopted daughter of F.A. Mitchell Hedges, <laughs> world adventurer. Yeah. <laughs> and he really was, too. Yeah, from the, from the sounds of it, he was. Um, she says that she found the skull beneath the Mayan temple at an altar in uh, Lubatan, is that how you pronounce that? That's what I took. Have you seen the pictures of that place? No. It's like awesome? a ruined Mayan city. Oh, really? In Belize. It's awesome. Wow. It's like overgrown temples and stuff like that. It's very neat. I, I like the Mayan temples. So anyway, Anna says that she found this thing uh, near Belize on her 17th birthday. And she said that the Mayans actually told her that it was a skull used to will death. So a priest would uh, be too old to continue his priesting. And he would lie down and transfer his knowledge to a younger uh, priest mm-hmm. uh, via the powers of the skull and then die. Right. So that's her story. That's what the skull was for. That's what she says. Um, and said, sorry. That's right. So the – and the Mitchell Hedges skull is like the – it's a trendsetting skull in another way in that it's pretty much the pinnacle of craftsmanship of crystal skulls. Yeah. It's clear quartz crystal. It's very pretty. Um, it's life size. Mm-hmm. Um, it had, it's about five inches high, five inches wide, eight inches long, um, totally transparent, 12 pounds. Um, it's got the uh, the ridges and cheekbones and nose socket and yeah. eye sockets that are like very anatomically correct. And as far as I know, it's the only one that has a detachable jawbone. Oh, really? Which is really anatomically correct like this yeah. is just an amazing work of art sure you know and that's how they should be viewed josh <laughs> right did i just ruin it <laughs> do you want to poke some holes in anna's story yeah um first of all in 1936 um a description of this skull was in a british journal called man but they said it was owned by a guy named Sidney bernie right anna says oh no wait my dad um fa um gave it to Sidney. And he um, auctioned it off to pay a, a debt in the in the 40s, and then we bought it from Sotheby's from him to, to get it back in the family. Right, like it came down to the wire at the Sotheby's auction. <laughs> right. So basically what you can take from that story is that F.A. Mitchell Hedges acquired this Mitchell Hedges skull yeah. at Sotheby's. That part is completely documentable and true. Yeah. Um, but that they, they think that that may be where he got it for the first time. Probably because in that 1936 journal, um, the uh, the author, or I guess Bernie, um, wrote a letter that was. I'm sorry, it was quoted later, but yeah. but um, Bernie, the guy who actually had that Mitchell Hedges skull before Mitchell Hedges, said that he acquired it from a collector who had it for several years, and um, that collector bought it from another collector who had it for several years. Right. No mention of F.A. Mitchell, who was not a collector. He was an adventurer. He probably called it the Bernie skull, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, so that, that that was in 1933, which by this time, F.A. Mitchell had just supposedly already had it or owned it. Right. Um, and then the the other, well, there's several other weird parts. Uh, Mitchell Hedges, F.A., we'll just call him, or Fa. Yeah. Um, he 
he only wrote about the skull once. This is my favorite part of this article. In the the name of his book. Take it. (laughs) He wrote a book about his adventures, I guess some sort of memoir, and it was called Danger, My Ally. (laughs) That's the way you say it, too. Yeah. That was from 1954, I think. And... In that book, that's the first and only mention he makes of the Crystal Skull. By this time, it was in his possession. He owned it. Seems like he would have mentioned it. Uh, yeah, prior to this. Yeah. He he um, he says, Chuck, that it uh, dates back at least 3,600 years, that it took about 150 years to rub down with sand from a single block of quartz. Yeah, so he alleges it was not it was shaped from rubbing sand on it. And not actually carved with tools. Right. Over the period of 150 years. Which, I mean, that's a lot of dedicated people. A lot of sand rubbing. Yeah. Um, He never mentions that his adopted daughter found it. No, he doesn't. He actually says that he has reason to not mention how it came in his possession. Yeah, he warns very forebodingly about uh, several people have cynically laughed at it and died. Others have been stricken ill. So he says, how I got it? I have reasons to not tell you. <laughs> this is a really easy way to get around. Yeah, not telling people. Yes, um, that's what that's what we should say whenever <laughs> somebody wants to know. Like, what's what's your backstory? How did you guys meet? We have reasons to not tell you. We that. have very important reasons because it's very boring. Um, and then also, Chuck, there were two people. So F. A. Mitchell Hedges did actually go down to Lou Baton. Yeah, Lou Baton. one of his adventures. Right. Sure. And he was there in 1926. Uh, that's documented. There's plenty of photos of the dig. Mm-hmm. Two friends who went with him who later wrote about this this experience never mentioned Anna being there. Certainly never mentioned the crystal skull. Yeah, Lady Richmond Brown and Dr. Thomas Gann. Right. And then lastly, Anna, um, in different interviews, gave different dates of when she acquired the skull. Mm-hmm. Never the correct one. Right. So um, there's a lot of holes in her story. Yet, up to her death, she alleged that this was the truth. Um, and she had a uh, what I take to be an indomitable spirit. Like, you could tell her just about anything, but <laughs> she knew what was right with the crystal skull. Yeah, and she also claimed, um, not verified, but claimed that it had been used for healing a number of times, and she didn't get very specific with that, and that she hoped one day it would go to an institution where it could be studied. And that might happen. Um, if you go on to uh, MitchellHedgesSkull.com or MitchellHedges.com, I think there's a hyphen in there. Not Benson and Hedges? No. Um, the the skull is now in the possession of its newest owner, Bill Hallman. Oh, really? Who is a very dashing guy, likes to wear like an Indiana Jones hat. <laughs> of course he does. Um, he loves posing with the, the crystal skull. It's very cool. Sure. But his aim is to build a museum for the skull in Sedona, Arizona, that it can be studied and, and basically be available to the public all the time, which is pretty cool. Where he would sell tickets. I don't know. Sure he would. Well, who knows? There's not a free museum. Oh, actually, that's not true. There's plenty of free museums. I know. I'd take that back completely. Okay. <laughs> but there's plenty that aren't as well. Yes. I, I agree with you. So that's what that's what's going on with the Mitchell Hedges School right now. Bill Holman has it here in the U.S. And uh, there may be a... Well, I, I don't know if it will be reunited. Surely people who own crystal skulls are going to take them to Mexico or something in Line December 2012 right. to see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, so Mitchell Hedges' skull is, is the most famous, but it's far from the only one, right? Yeah, there's uh, one, an, another famous one uh, in the British Museum, and I believe they just call this the British Museum skull, right? Yeah. It's kind of a letdown. <laughs> 
They call the Periscope the Periscope. Yeah. And uh, it's also life-size. It's not quite as detailed as the uh, Mitchell Hedges. And the jaw does detach, as you say, and it's cloudy quartz. It's not completely clear. Yeah. And this was purchased. We know a little bit about the, the real backstory on this one. Uh, it was purchased by the museum from uh, Tiffany & Company in 1898. Mm-hmm. Supposedly came from Mexico. And here is where we have a guy enter the picture named uh, Eugene Bobin. Yeah, he, he's kind of an important character as well. Yeah, he's a French art dealer, and a lot of these skulls seem to have passed through his uh, ownership at one point or another. Which isn't necessarily fishy in and of itself. Like yeah. a, a, a dealer can specialize in something, and Boban specialized in Mayan relics and yeah. artifacts. and the pre-Columbian stuff. So, yeah. yeah, it's not like that makes it hinky. I'm just pointing that out. Uh, then you got the Paris skull. It's a more crude uh, still than the other two, and has a hole cut in the top that they think uh, is supposed to hold a cross. Yes. And that is in Paris at the, are you going to pronounce that one for me? Uh, the Musée de l'Homme. Okay. <laughs> the, museum of, the Museum of Man. Oh, is that what it is? Uh-huh. Do you speak French? Um, I'm piquito. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that. I took German in high school and then learned just sort of rough Spanish by working in the Mexican restaurants. Yeah. And uh, I would always mix German and Spanish up in in my college days. Yeah. I was mixing up a lot back then, though. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, and then in 1992, this one's a little weird. I like this one. And the Smithsonian received a crystal skull in the mail. Anonymously. Yeah, with an anonymous note. Yeah. That said, hey, this is Aztec. I bought it in 1960 in Mexico City. And do what you will with it's it, I guess. brought me nothing but bad luck. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Please don't ever try to track me down. And that one is hollow, which is slightly unique as well. Yeah. Um, so here's there's a couple of points that you've just brought up. One, Eugene Bobon, remember him. Yeah. Um, secondly, th- th- this anonymous skull is thought to be Aztec, or was mentioned as Aztec. Right. The uh, British Museum skull is possibly considered Aztec. Possibly. So that kind of knocks the Mayan um, legend out a little bit. It does. Let's do that some more. Okay. Um, well, first let's talk about some more um, crystal skulls real quick. There's, there's um, again, there's a whole world of crystal skull collectors. Oh, yeah. And some people have a few, some people have one, but all of them are pretty, like if you have a crystal skull, like you're a well-known individual. Yeah, it's not like a, being a commemorative plate collector. Right. Like Joanne Parks, who owns Max, the Texas Crystal Skull. Yeah. Um, she apparently got it in the 80s, and it's supposed to be from Guatemala, which is Mayan. Yeah. Okay. We've been there. Yeah. And uh, Jake, Va- uh, Jake Van Dieten, who supposedly Yoke. owns a few of them. Joke. Joke? Yoke. What I call him, Jake? Yeah. This is she. Oh, okay. Now, she says that her skull, E.T., healed her brain tumor. That's right. And that's a pretty cool name for a skull if you're uh, a skull owner, I would say, and mm-hmm. movie fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what else is there? There's Shana Ra, not Shana Na. Yeah. And it's a uh, big one. It weighs about 13 pounds, owned by Nick uh, Nosarino. And he is a self-described expert, which are our favorite kind of experts <laughs> right? in crystal skulls. And he claims he found that one in Mexico. And then uh, lastly, there's an amethyst skull called Amy, A-M-I, or a me, if you're speaking French. Um, and that is, supposedly has a squiggly white line around the circumference of the skull. 
No idea what that means. And supposedly mine. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of smaller skulls, like little ones, um, that are about an inch in diameter that have holes drilled through them, and they think that they um, were amulets or pendants or some sort of they, – they were worn as necklaces. They were sold at the gift shop, the Crystal Skull gift shop back yeah. in the day. So is the deal – do all these people think they have one of the 13? Is that is that pretty much what's going on here? That's the impression I have. Okay. Yeah. Um Especially if you if you're if you consider your crystal skull as the source of the healing of your brain tumor. Well, yeah, sure. And Chuck, there's it's uh, there's a, a certain um, there's a certain rationale to the idea that a crystal skull can uh, allow you to see visions. There's just something more going on there besides it being uh, just a lump of quartz, and that actually is um, one found in one of the properties of quartz, which is piezoelectricity. You want to say it's kind of Italian? Piezoelectric. Right. So that is um, the a property of quartz in particular, but generally crystals and ceramics, uh-huh. to be able to generate an electrical charge just from pressure, from like a what's called um, mechanical uh, energy? Stress. Stress. So basically just rubbing a, like a piece of quartz, say yeah. a crystal skull, you should be able to generate uh, electricity. And the harder you rub, the more electricity you generate. So that, uh, no one's ever been able to say, well, then th- that's why you, right. you would heal your brain tumor or anything like that. But the fact that quartz is piezoelectric is one of the things that people who believe in the healing powers of sc- these crystal skulls sure. point to. And crystals in general. Yeah. That, you know, Little Five Points has had that crystal shop forever. People, is it still around? Yeah, I think so. And people wow. go in there and they buy their crystal and hang it around their neck and they believe it has healing properties or sure. energy properties. Or at the very least, it generates a mild electrical current. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's also slightly wilder claims that, um, that these, these, the piezoelectricity isn't necessarily for healing. It's to, um, facilitate time travel or, um, it serves as some sort of, uh, communication device between, um, the aliens who brought it here, yeah. or Atlantis. Sure. We just haven't figured out how to tap it or unlock it yet. Yeah, what is it they compare it to is like a uh, a computer chip, potentially, that has all this uh, ancient uh, wisdom and, and facts and knowledge. Just waiting. Just waiting. We just don't know how to access it. It's like the um, lunar doomsday arc, but in crystal skull form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so speaking of Mitchell Hedges, which we weren't, uh, speaking of, but I'm bringing up it anyway. Uh, she um, has loaned it out for study a couple of times. Yeah, some some people who own skulls are cool with them them being studied, but more frequently, the ones that are in possession of a biomuseum. Yeah, those are the ones that have been studied the most. Right. Uh, in 1970, an art restorer named Frank Dorlin studied the Mitchell Hedges skull for six years. Yeah, and he said he heard ringing bells, uh, the sound of choir singing. He saw auras around the skull, and he could see images when gazing into it. Yeah, and this is an art restore. He's not necessarily like a uh, crystal skull devotee. Right, but he also claimed, on the other hand, that it showed signs of mechanical grinding and holes drilled that were obviously using modern techniques, a metal drill. Yeah. So he sort of sort of said it was mystical in some ways and also said, well, but this thing isn't ancient because it was clearly made with you know modern technology. Right. Um he also supposedly 
took it to Hewlett Packard's laboratories. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Uh, he said there that they performed a test on it um, to to find out if it was pure quartz, and they dropped it in benzyl alcohol, and it disappeared. Yes, it vanished uh-huh. because benzyl alcohol and quartz have the same diffraction coefficient, which means they bend light at the same angle. Yeah, which means that if you immerse one in the other, it's going to disappear and turn invisible. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the, they also found at Hewlett Packard that it was carved from a single piece of crystal and it was sure. carved against the grain, which is very unusual. Yeah, yeah. Um, the problem is Hewlett Packard has absolutely no record of, of these tests being performed. Spooky. It's possible that, that, uh, Dorlin had a friend who, you know, said, come on by, we'll have some beers and test your skull. Yeah, and it wasn't like an official project. Or he, he didn't really take it there. It's just such a weird claim. Yeah, true. Uh, and on a TV show in the 80, in 1980, Arthur C. Clarke had a show called Mysterious World, and there was a gem expert named Alan uh, Jobbins who also studied the crystal skull, the, the Mitchell Hedges one, and said that he thought that it was from uh, crystal, Brazilian crystal from yeah. the 1700s, yeah. which would not make it ancient. Right, Um that's not the or only Mayan. skull that they think are, uh, is possibly Brazilian. The Paris skull and the British Museum skull, they think, are probably Brazilian. Yeah. No Mayans in Brazil. No. And like you said, after the 1700s, so this is post-Columbia, not just post-contact. This is like there's a revolution stirring in America by yeah, this time exactly. when these things were made, <laughs> yeah. right? And all all signs start pointing further further back to Eugene Boban. Yeah, and they also thought it was, they were carved in Germany, most of these? Yes. Which kind of the Himmler thing all of a sudden makes sense. Apparent, but I would, I would venture to guess that Himmler would have never thought that it was made in Germany. I'm sure yeah, he thought true. it was like a, one of the 13 Mayan skulls. Yeah. They were very superstitious, those Nazis. All right, so back to Boban. So Boban had his hands on like several of these. Um, he, uh, you mentioned Germany. Um, apparently there was a lot of Brazilian crystal that was being worked in Germany. In the um, 1700s, right? Or no, the 19th century, right. the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently Boban got his hands on these things, sold them, but it's not clear whether he knew that they were frauds or not. Because, I mean, there was a lot of money to be made during the museum period. There was a big yeah. boom in artifacts and museums and, and auctions like this. So, you know. Obviously, if you're claiming it's one of the, the original things, you're going to get top dollar for it. Exactly, uh, which is how the British Museum came about its um, skull. It was purchased, like you said, in 1898 from Tiffany & Company yeah, probably during the cheap. age of the museum when yeah. people would pay a pretty penny for these things. But uh, I guess to its credit, the British Museum led the way in proving that these things were fakes. And I just made air quotes because they're still amazing works of art. Oh, yeah, sure. They were they were made by master craftsmen in the, the 1800s. Just call it that. That's what I say. What, works of art? Yeah, so they can be admired and not, and not kind of poked fun at right. by non-believers. Well, that's why that skull's still in the British Museum. They're like, this thing isn't mine, but still, check it out. Yeah, exactly. You know? Stare into the aura. Now, the Mitchell Hedges skull doesn't fall into that because there's no, there's been no... Um, uh, I guess acceptance that it was made recently. Yeah, and she and at one point she kind of withdrew it from uh, in further investigation. Isn't that right? Yeah. So the the British Museum concluded that theirs theirs was made um, using a jeweler's wheel. Yeah. 
uh, after the European arrival in the Americas. Uh, the, its high polish indicates it was carved using traditional European techniques. And then in 2005, Jane Walsh, who is an anthropologist with uh, the Smithsonian, took the Smithsonian skull to the British Museum and said, hey, look, look at this one, too. Through an electron microscope. And they did, and they're like, it's the same thing. They may have actually been made by the same craftsman. Yeah, they said that there's, you know, there would have been pretty clear evidence that it was made with uh, ancient tools by the fact that it wouldn't be nearly as smooth. There would be scratch marks, things like that. Yeah. But it bore none of those. Right. And they, they found, you know, the telltale signs of, of modern tool use, right? Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they, they, there were no signs of ancient tool use. Again, if you were a believer in crystal skulls, well, these things are, they were made over 150 years. Of course, you're not going to find right. axe marks or whatever. You hack. Right. <laughs> it's 150 years of sand rubbing. Right. Doing that kind of work. But this is the thing that I like the most. What's that? There are out there very crude um, crystal skulls. There are some that don't, that don't look like they were made, um, from a, a, a jeweler's wheel in yeah, Germany yeah. in the 19th century. So you're saying those are the ones? Who knows? <laughs> you know what my favorite part is? What? Danger, my ally. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. So we have to mention a few pop culture references, um, starting with Stargate SG1. Yeah. And then, uh, it's been in some video games. Nancy Drew, Legend of the Crystal Skull. Uh, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Third greatest selling video game of 2006. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously the biggest reference, um, would have to be the abominable and forgettable. I said it. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm. And man, I have never wanted to love a movie so much in my life. Mm-hmm. And I've never been as disappointed. Uh-huh. And I'm on record. I'm saying this. I know, and I feel bad because you know it, I, I know that it hurts when we're criticized. We're like we're we're doing our best. I know. I'm sure that they really wanted to put out a great movie. And I know. They, they worked just on it for a long missed time. Missed the mark. Supposedly they're going to do another one. And I heard. I think uh, if Steven Spielberg, if you're listening, <laughs> and Mr. <laughs> Lucas, get back to basics, brothers. That's what I say. Forget all the. Uh, I don't know if Harrison Ford can do his own stunts though. Forget all the CGI monkeys and. Uh, Killer ants and all that silliness. Just get back to basics. Yeah, I agree. Go practical. And that's that for Chuck. That's it. Right? Yes. Uh, if you want to learn more about crystal skulls and see some cool images of crystal skulls, type crystal skull into the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com. Uh, and since I said that, Chuck's got a letter in his hand, and that means it's time for listener mail. That's right, Josh. A few weeks ago, you asked uh, for a call for if you have any ways you're trying to better humanity. And we got quite a few of these, and so we're going to read some of them over the next few episodes. Okay. Uh, this one I'm partial to because I just think it's neat. This is from Rachel. She's written in before. Uh, I have a project which I'm attempting to improve humanity. Almost every day for the past three years, I've written a pep talk at my website. Uh, website? <laughs> Either one. Website, Daily Pep Talk from a bestfriend.com. My goal is to improve the reader's self-esteem by telling them what their best friend might say in a moment of crisis. Type your issue into the handy-dandy search bar. (laughs) Find yourself a pep talk. Uh, There's more than 800 of these, and I'm pretty sure I've covered whatever has you blue or befuddled. So uh, if I haven't covered a particular topic, readers can write to me and request a pep talk. I also do shout-outs for anything a reader wants to celebrate 
And I have a podcast called You're Effing Awesome. <laughs> E-F-F-I-N-G. Uh, that's how I'm trying to improve humanity. If you were to mention this, I would be thrilled. I'm forever looking to share the pep and traffic like self-esteem can always use a boost. Uh, and then she gives an example of a pep talk. And it's kind of cool, you know. I showed this to Emily. She liked it as well. That's very cool. It's almost like um, a daily horoscope or fortune cookie, but much better because it's... <laughs> a fortune cookie? Well, you know how a fortune cookie It's much less vague. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a pep talk. There's it's like a choose-your-own-adventure fortune cookie. Yeah, so that's Rachel. The website is dailypeptalkfromabestfriend.com. And it's just, it's positive. It's, it's neat. I'm glad she's doing it. That's great. 800 of these bad boys. That is a lot of work. I know. I wouldn't figure there'd be a need for more than like six different kinds of pep talks. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where she thought that too and then started to really think about it and just right. kept going and going and she went mad along the way and right. ended up killing house cats <laughs> yeah. and then like coming back from the brink. And, and then, then had to write pep talks about all those experiences. Exactly. Yeah. And now she's done. Okay. If you have something that you need a pep talk on. Ask Chuck and me. And if we can't do it, maybe we'll just send you to, um, what is it? Daily Pep Talk from a best friend.com. Yes. Uh, send us an email. You can address it to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. This episode of Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com offers thousands of engaging, easy-to-follow video tutorials taught by industry experts to help you learn software, creative, and business skills. Membership starts at $25 a month and provides unlimited 24-7 access. Try Lynda.com free for seven days by visiting Lynda.com slash S-Y-S-K.